Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host from the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I am horribly, horribly ill. I can attest to the truth of that statement. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I am wonderfully well. Uh, that seems less convincing, but we roll on. Lord. <laughs> joining us all the way from Rexford, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm not sick, and I don't live in a frozen hellscape. <laughs> yeah, wow! Both, both true yeah, statements. We definitely do. There's a uh, there's six inches of snow on the ground, and it's an angry, bitter, very hard snow. Yep, that we're dealing with up here. You guys believe in Jesus, and you live in Sheol at the same time. It's hard to wow. do that, but we've managed it. I was telling somebody the other day uh, the first actual words I remember Jed Brewer speaking that I heard was where uh, when I was still in Tennessee, we brought up a trip in the winter for like, uh-huh. people to help out. And we were meeting at the, the Chipotle or whatever. And Jed comes in, plops down, and says, essentially to no one, but in general, now you understand why the ancient Hebrews conceived of Sheol as a place of cold instead of heat. That's right. <laughs> there yeah. you go. And it seemed weird at the time, but now I understand. Yeah, oh yeah, now you get it. And while we're reminiscing, I declare a retrospective emergency. Bomb. That's Bomb. right. It's Wait. time for the Vaddies. <laughs> Looking at the Vaddies, our annual, except for that one year we forgot to do it, award show this year celebrating greatness in Say That in the year of our Lord, 2018. I always looked forward to the Thaddies. You got your red carpet. Yep. Totally. It's like, or it's, it's got know. flowers on it, but it's red. Yep. And, uh, you know, the searchlights and totally. The, you know, the, they're probably the city there are searchlights happening. We're wearing our tuxedo t-shirts. Glenn, who are you wearing? Uh, the John C. Riley tuxedo t-shirt it, collection. Ah, uh, bold choice. It's, uh, it's, it's by Haynes. Ah. It says he's formal, <laughs> but he likes to be celebrated. That's right. So we're going to jump in here, and I will, I will uh, introduce a category, read the list of nominees, and then uh, the gentleman here can uh, comment or give their... Commentary as they see fit, and then okay. we'll announce a winner. First category. This is, by the way, the most important thing all year. No doubt yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in anything. That's right. Super Bowl, not as important. Right. Not Oscars, as, not as important. This is the this main is, one. This is it. People at home have got like popcorn, and they're just like, you know, they have all their, their picks for the category. Right. They're in the pools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is for all the marbles. Indeed, it is. Our first category, uh, no, perennial daddy category, best beard. That's the big one. Yeah. It's, it's, it, we start off hot. It's, it's like the, we don't do like the technical awards no one cares about for right. the first two hours. That's right. We Coming start, in hot. Start with best beard. That's that's the one everyone focuses on. Nominees are Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. That's always. Oh, yeah. you know, you got, he's always in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 19th century powerhouse Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's a strong beard. I mean, yeah. Another another classic standard bearer. Right. Uh, Matt King. Yeah. 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 Well, Humble to Obviously. Honor. And multi best beard award, uh, uh, bet, you know, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, very I much the Meryl Streep of the best beard category, that's really true in many ways. And our final nominee, a hot newcomer on the scene to the best beard nominations, Glenn Fitzgerald. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah last it's true. Right. Last year, I was kind of a rookie, kind yeah, of didn't really have a shot, but I was honored to be nominated. Yeah, that's right. But all year, I've been working on this beard, you really caught a gear. I feel like I've, you know, I found uh, my way with it. Feels like this could know, be your year. Could be my year. A defining set. Well, we'll find that out. The winner is, well, that would be reigning champion Matt King. Uh, 
Wow. I have the uh, the Price Waterhouse envelope here, and uh, Glenn did finish a strong second. Uh, well, that's uh, so progress you know. should be uh, rewarded. I think it's yeah. all right. Yeah, it's you know what? Uh, maybe next year. Sure. That's absolutely. all. There's always next year. Go back to the drawing when, board. When they interview Jesus about this one, does he just say, you know, the last will be first? So yeah, I'm I think he's got to be cool about, about it. I don't know if he yeah. like he can't give he can't. They can't do that thing where they cut to Jesus in the audience. He does that Oscar thing where he's he knows he has to clap, but he's trying to put on his face. Clearly, I should have won this. And you <laughs> right. all know it. Yeah. All right. Second I invented category. beards. <laughs> Second category, 2018 Best Fashion Update Alert. Okay. Yeah, that's a big one. First nominee, Infinity Scarves, out. Okay. That's uh, That was controversial right sure, there. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you the, called it, though. You called oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it out there. The, the trades didn't like that one. Yeah, no. Second nominee, don't call it a fanny pack, but right. they're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fanny pack uh, or <laughs> bum bag. Nope. We're going to have to censor that in some countries. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> so one, one, whatever you call it, it's a hip uh, adjacent uh, carry-all. Carry-all. Yeah, certainly. European carry-all. Uh, final nominee for 2018 Best Fashion Update Alert: Hot New Fabric Felted Wool. Yeah. I'm pulling for felted wool. Yeah, that just. Wow. So I think strong. it's the sweetheart in the category. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Uh, and the winner is felted wool. Felted yeah, wool. That's wow. right. That's right. You know, I think the key to that category was diversity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I mean, a fanny pack says a fanny pack, but fanny felted wool could be on anything. It was kind of felted wool's turn, you know. It yeah. really was. Yeah, I mean, some some people said it was political, but I just felt like it was felted wool's turn. Yeah. No doubt about that. Next category, Nemesis of the Year. Oh, yeah. Okay. The nominees are politics. Sure. Just the entire concept. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second category, second nominee, Nemesis of the Year, Smoke Machine in the Sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's sure. just a health hazard, people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Final nominee for Nemesis of the Year, Stalkers, in parentheses, Canadian. Oh, yeah. We had the Canadian Stalkers. Yeah. Uh, That's still, I think we still quibble with that characterization. There was four of them. Yes. They were very nice they, ladies. They stalked us. No. Sure. We invited them, and they stayed. They invaded the actual perimeter. Right. You, your wife invited them to stay in your basement. And they were adorable. And the winner for Nemesis of the Year, Smoke Machine in the Sanctuary. Woo! Smoke Machine in the Sanctuary. Yeah. It's, it's a ventilation issue is what it is. Yeah, that's right. We, see, we have, the, we have the bridge in a basement. Where many of the yeah. windows are painted shut. Yeah. Whether or not that holds up to fire code, you decide for yourself. So we 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 don't really like the smoke machine thing. Yeah. It's a lot of hassle. Our next category, best Jed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Big category wow. every yeah. year. Yeah. The nominees are legalistic Jed. Sure. Yeah. This is strong. It's really he, he. One could argue he defines the category. Well, I mean, he's kind of the John Tutura of the category. He's just working a lot. You know what I mean? The uh, yeah, legalistic no Jed's he's, showing up. He's got a strong. He's, he must have a great agent. He's in everything. Yeah, yeah. You, it's one of those things. You see him on the list. You can't remember what he's nominated for. Like which right. ticket performance is all very good. Uh, next nominee for best Jed, Cambridge Jed. Oh yes, wow. a little wow. in, in, international flair. Quite right, quite right. right. You know, there was actually someone who wrote in on Cambridge Jed who said. That actually was a fairly similar to a Cambridge accent. <laughs> and I guarantee you is unintentional. I have I have 
obsessed over how that must not be true and have rejected it inside my mind many times. Sure, that's, sure. That's fair enough. Cambridge Jed always sweeps the Daddy Baftas. That's right. Well, that's a deep cut joke. <laughs> that's correct. For the British people. Uh, next nominee, Best Jed, Bible Numerology Jed. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Very mysterious. Uh, you know, really popular with the... Uh, you know, the ancient aliens crowd, but yeah, we'll see if yeah, that's yeah, enough yeah. to carry the category. Yeah. Final nominee for best Jed. Well, it has to be Palpatine Jed. Yeah. Palpatine oh Jed. Yeah. That's always my favorite. Okay, hold on. Before you announce this, is the winning Jed going to make an acceptance speech? I think he well, has Well, it depends to. on if he's in attendance or not. Well, let's okay. find out. Let's find out. Get the music ready, because the winner for... 2018 Daddy Best Jed is Palpatine Jed. Oh, oh yeah, that's man. my favorite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Live via satellite from an undisclosed location, Palpatine Jed. I would like to thank <laughs> the Academy. <laughs> There's no Academy, but he'd like to thank him. Yeah, all right. It's, it's weird to say, hear someone in the Palpatine voice be thankful. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's, like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> well, in, in fairness, after he thanked the Academy, he launched lightning bolts yeah. from his fingers and zapped them. <laughs> right. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. That's 20... my favorite thing we do, and all the spiritual wisdom, all the helping yeah. of the people. That's the yes, best thing that this Palpatine. podcast offers. It's a hit. Yep. 2018 Christmas Ruiner of the Year Award. Oh, wow. A yeah, lot good. of strong contenders here. The nominees are the Say That Host Eat Unrefrigerated Reindeer Sausage Live on the Show. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty strong ruination of Christmas. Certainly right ruined there. my Christmas. Second nominee, The War on the War on the War on Christmas. Sure. Yeah, wow. was, you know. Final nominee, 2018 Christmas Ruiner of the Year, Glenn. Yeah. I'm pulling for Glenn. I think this yeah. is his year. He's got the he's got the experience. He, he never him. gives up. I I do what I can. Believe I mean, you know, me. Occasionally, like at the Oscars or something, though, it's like this wasn't Scorsese's best movie. Yeah, but right. he's he's earned one by now. That's yeah. right. That's kind yeah. of a lifetime achievement. I think if Glenn gets, it'll be it'll be for his body of work. I agree. Yeah, that's more true. than specifically 2018. 2018 Christmas Rumor of the Year: Reindeer Sausage. Wow. Woo! Woo! We all suffered for that one and made the audience suffer as well. Next category, another perennial favorite. Best behave, say that podcast member of 2018. Okay. Okay. Our nominees <laughs> Matt King, disqualified, not eligible. Jed Brewer, disqualified, not eligible. Yeah. Glenn Fitzgerald, severely disqualified, oh, not that, eligible. That because hurts. of meetings. Yeah. Severely yeah. is underlined. I didn't know they could do that. And our final nominee, Lee Younger. And, uh, well, to the shock of knowing the winner is Lee Younger. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> a vice-like grip on that particular award. The Mike Trout of being behaved on this year's podcast, Lee Younger. Well, I, I think I appear on less of the episodes. Maybe that might have something to do with it. I don't yeah. know. Sure, your average is way up. There's no doubt about that. Kind of feels like he just won that one by default. <laughs> the two sweetest words in the English language. Default. 2018 award for innovation in post-apocalyptic survival. Yes. Glenn, I feel this category needs a short explanation. Well, uh, we have an ongoing discussion here uh, in uh, with our ministry staff. of uh, At some point, we obviously will have a zombie apocalypse, and we <laughs> have uh, discussed our uh, favorite strategies on how to deal with that zombie apocalypse and survive it. That's right. Uh, 2018 Awards for Innovation and Post-Apocalypse Survival. First nominee, Glenn Fitzgerald for Houseboat. That's correct. Okay. Glenn's plan is to take to the seas. You get a houseboat, you get on there, what are they going to do? Get nautical. 
when well, operating on the strongly held assumption that zombies can't swim. I think we have no indications to the contrary. Second nominee, Peter Lawson for, and I read what's on the card, farming? That's right. Sure. In fact, there may be a little editorial doubts. There um, was, I would, I would say this, there was a very brief discussion about, instead of a houseboat, perhaps a submarine. Yeah. Where me and Lawson would go in together, and he would grow tubers in the in the Ooh, submarine. Okay, uh, it just fell apart. I yeah, think. it didn't make it through the who would run the nuclear reactor. Yeah, phase of ideation. It was, yeah. uh, and we both realized we didn't know anything about submarines. Well, that yeah. is tough. That broke down, but it, it, that could have been yeah. like a you sure. know not a skill you want to learn on the fly. Yeah. Final nominee for Innovations in Post-Apocalypse Survival 2018, Matt King for Embracing the Sweet Release of Death. Yes! Oh, okay. That was my plan. It remains my plan. In almost all situations, from zombie apocalypse to my flight being delayed, Embrace the Sweet Release of Death. Yeah. Uh, The winner, this tells us something about the judges, Matt King for Embracing the Sweet Release of Death. Yeah, there you go. It's a bit of an upset, but I think it's the right decision on the part of the Academy. One might argue it it captured the public sentiment of 2018. (laughs) The 2018 award for claymation adaptation of a podcast emergency, the winner can only be Todd Warren for Frosty to say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. One of the coolest things that has happened since we've had this here podcast. We missed... Uh, the Frosty the Snowman claymation adapta- adaptation of our Christmas emergency. You can go back a few episodes or check that out on our Facebook. Next category, the 2018 Edith Love Rumble Award for Most Offensive Singleness of the Year. Mm. Completing <laughs> another sweep, the winner is Matt King. Woo! Woo! <laughs> the, the, the worst thing, the only the real downside to win this award is you can't explain a trophy that says Edith Love Rumble on it to people. That is your apartment. Uh, that's a bit weird. People, yeah. people assume that's a trophy for something else. Yeah. I don't know what, but it's not good. All right, we move on to our next category. Oh, this is a big one. Okay. I think I think this is this is the real meat of the show here. Okay. The 2018 award for the most for the worst moments in cultural Christianity. Whoa, that's the wow. big one. Yeah. This is a big deal. Uh, nominee number one, I kiss dating goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. 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 Second that's, nominee. That's a big one. Marry your Bible. Ooh, yeah. that's going to be wow. tough to beat right there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Our next nominee, trapeze pastor. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know why I forgot about that. Something about naming it trapeze pastor really adds to the joy yeah, of that he one. Just, his shoulders are hunched you know, just and he's trapping. Just being- Trappy's Deacon Jeff trying to unhook him while he's still preaching. Trappy's Pastor would be a good band name just on its own. For really? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Our next nominee, Pastor Dates, Pastor Dates a Prostitute movie. Yeah, yeah that was... <laughs> movie wow. is an important addendum to that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was bad. Yeah. yeah. Our final nominee for Worst Moment in Cultural Christianity, Uncle Glenn Plack on Amazon. Oh, yeah. This one was a little right. further back near, you may re- <laughs> recall... Somebody sent us a uh, a link with an Amazon like yep. wood carved plaque yep. that was a Uncle Glenn quote, right? And uh, Glenn finding that link on Amazon was the first he'd heard of it. Yeah, that, yes, so, selling it and pocketing the dough for themselves <laughs> for like thirty five bucks for a lacquered wood carving, <laughs> right. which is a bit that's a, that's pure profit on that deal. I promise you. Yes, twenty eighteen award for. Worst moments by a Say That host member. Wait, I forgot to announce the winner. Oh, announce yeah. the winner for having say The well, winner. We're having a controversial moment on the daddies. For 2018, award for the worst moment of cultural Christianity, 
is kissing dating goodbye goodbye. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just on how long that's been going. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was... is the English patient of nominees yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. That that was one of those where it just was coming from a long way off, and finally, it's its year. Finally, the zip popped yeah, on that. No doubt about it. Well put. Yeah. 2018 award for the worst moment by a Say That podcast member. Ooh, wow. This is, wow, wow. That's... This could be a packed category. We made them whittle it down to three. Okay. Okay. First nominee, Glenn and Jed accidentally almost start a cult. Well, <laughs> that was that was by accident. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, you, you really stuck to it for an accident. Well, we said that we had a cult following, so yeah. why not just take it all the way to a cult? Lots of reasons. And, totally. And then that's turn, we, you know, it didn't work out. We committed to the not. bit. That's our sin. That's if, if it any, really is. <laughs> if anything, we care too much. Our okay. next nominee, don't genuflect, Glenuflect. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> a bad. A real though. thing that Jed said to a very high ranking member of a prominent denomination. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That, but yeah, that's right. He was smoothing over my just straight up mocking of yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. That was that was not a good moment. Yeah. No, it really wasn't. Our final nominee for 2018, worst moments by say that member. Redacted due to inappropriateness, they know what they did. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. People like that's, mystery. Yeah. Well, the winner is redacted. Yeah, yeah. that makes that, sense. That, that's right. That yeah. tracks. We're contractually obligated to move on. Our second to last category, our penultimate category, if you will. 2018 Best Say That Podcast Superfan. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's going to be tough. Lots of great nominees. Lots of, lot, really a crowded category. The winner is you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, that's surprising. You. We mean you specifically. Not everyone else listening to this podcast. We don't like them. Just you. You win. You're the only cool one. And finally, 2018 award for best box. Lot, lot of, lot of hype around Bird Box this year. Mm, yeah, oh, we'll see if the Netflix yeah. people have the money to get it done. Yeah. yeah, the winner for 2018 best box, Bridge Box. That's right. Bridge Box is an award-winning subscription service. Is it an award we made up? Yep, but it won it. How do you think Holly? How do you think Hollywood works, folks? If this is no less legitimate than the Golden Globes, I guarantee you, Ridgebox, our award-winning monthly subscription service, only eight dollars a month. You get songs, sermons, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff to support the ministry we do and fuel your own walk. Glenn, what's Glenn doesn't know. Jed, what's our topic? Right now, our topic is how do I deal with boredom in my life? An excellent thing looking at a new year if you're feeling a little restless. If you want to figure out how to get onto that next thing in your life, we are looking at that all month. You can climb missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, move on to our first question here. If you have us all the way to the end, I'll give some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, A follow-up question about God's love from a previous episode. I've been at a bunch of churches, and I've heard the following. God loves the church, and his love for us is as part of the church, not so much as an individual. Also, that God loves us, but for the sake of his own glory. So it's really about his glory, not about me. And lastly, that God may care about the unsaved, but he doesn't love them, because God can't love things that are wicked and awful. None of that sounds right to me, so I thought I'd ask. And we're glad you did. And we're uh, making snarky guesses to each other right now about the type of church. Yeah. You've heard these things in. Huh. We're pretty sure we know. Jed, why don't you kick us off here? All right. So when Jesus wanted to break down 
deep theological concepts, because that's what you're talking about here. The way he did that was actually through stories. That was one of the primary ways that, that he explained those big picture ideas. So I'm going to read you a story from Jesus. This is Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 7, and I'm reading here in the New International Version. Then Jesus told them this parable. Quote, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Amen. Okay. Very cool story, but it speaks directly to the things that you're asking about. The first is the shepherd loves that one specific sheep. The shepherd may have love for the herd, but he definitely has love for that one specific sheep. Like, it's separated from the herd. It's not in the herd. He has love for that one specific sheep. Jesus, God, may have love for the church, and indeed he does. He has love for you. Individually, on your own, he has love for you. Full stop. Now, does he love you? Or does he have a thing where he needs to magnify the praise of his own glory so he has to be good to you for the sake of that? All right, let's look at what Jesus said. Does the shepherd's ego or glory come up anywhere in this story? No. What's motivating this is not a desire that people would think of him as the best shepherd in the world. What's motivating this is a love and a care and a concern for this sheep. We may note, of course, the shepherd is glorified in all of this because he actually is a good shepherd and he does a really amazing job and whatnot. But the motivation here is a love and a care and a concern for this lost sheep. That's yeah. what's driving the story forward. God loves you with a capital L. He doesn't kind of sort of like you. He's not putting up with you. There's not like uh, you figured out a workaround and a quid pro quo. And now he has to put up with you, but it, he loves you. He loves you, loves you. Full stop, the end. That's the clear takeaway from this story from Jesus. But now let's look at that last part where you said uh, that, that does God really love people who aren't saved because things and besides and so forth. So now I'm going to read you one more verse. This is from the book of Romans. This is chapter 5. This is verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ mm -hmm. died for us. God loves you. He loved you before you were saved. He loves you right now. He will love you to the end of time. God is love. God loves you for real. He doesn't love you because you're a part of the church. He loves you because he loves you. He doesn't love you because that does something for his glory. He loves you because he loves you. He didn't start loving you when you started being holy. He loves you. Full stop. Amen. That is the end. Beginning, middle, and end. Is it worth getting into really nitpicky theology about this stuff? Sure, that's fine. It's never going to change that ground-level reality. He loves you. Full stop. He has always loved you. He will always love you, no matter what. That's very good stuff, and I realize I'm having a hard time shifting out of announcer voice. <laughs> that is. I'm going to try to talk like a person. That was all really great stuff and a great place to start. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because as a matter of fact, let's stay in Luke chapter 15 because yeah. uh, 
Jesus did not just throw down one story of this. He tells a story about the uh, the lost sheep. He then tells a story about a woman who lost a coin, mm-hmm. and then he tells a pretty big one, as far as the New Testament is yes. concerned, and one that you you've often uh, talked to folks at the bridge and folks who are just getting in their faith about. Uh, kind of using the story of the prodigal son as an anchor point. If someone's right. trying to tell you something that violates this, they've wandered away. So how does that apply here? Well, yeah, I think probably for the the biggest theological question that we have for God as Christians is what happens when I screw up? Yeah, And the prodigal son is the answer to that. Uh, uh, and the, the story is that the son... Uh, takes advantage of the father and he leaves and he goes and he lives a life where he pursues his own pleasures and he realizes that there's nothing to that there is no great satisfaction or enjoyment to be had and then the end he realizes the servants in his father's house had it better than he has it at that moment so he goes home the father rejoices uh sees him from a long ways off runs to him uh and then says, put a ring on his finger, put a robe around his back, kill the fatted calf, we are going to rejoice uh, because my, my son has come back to me. That's, that's the story Jesus said to explain all this, exactly as, as Jed's pointing out. But you take these three points, God loves us as part of the church, but not as an individual. God's, how does that fit into that story I just told you, the prodigal son? The, the father loves his whole family, but not any of the individual people in it. <laughs> Son, I enjoy that you're a part of the family unit. Not you so much as a person, though. I mean, <laughs> what kind of jacked up? I mean, it makes no sense. God loves us, but for the sake of his own glory? Is, he, is, this, is the father saying, I feel bad about who I am as a father? Oh, wait, he's come back. Yay. Yay, I'm a good father now. How does that even work? Oh, son, I was so worried about what the Gundersons would think. I'm so glad you're back. Uh, you are you may be worshiping a God infinitely more shallow than the one I'm worshiping. So I don't want whatever you've got, dude. Uh, God can't love things that are wicked and awful. Well, this, the, the prodigal son was wicked and awful. Why did he run to him? He ran to him before there was any repentance to be had. I mean, what, what, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, when you have a theology that you've developed based on your own inclinations and stuff, and you find that uh, Scripture itself doesn't fit in that box that you've created, it's time to get rid of the box. Uh, right. if, you're going, if you're going to a church that's preaching this kind of stuff, I, and it takes a lot for me to say this, is time to find another church. Mm. Uh, everything that they're telling you here is, and we can take a lot of complication and boil it down very simply, everything they're telling you here is earn it. Yep. Earn God's love, earn his position, mm. earn, earn a place in his heart, all of that. Uh, stop sending and earn it. Uh, the thing is, that's never going to work. It's and not how love works. It's not how love works at that's all. Right. And it's also not what the Bible is. That, that's a direct contradiction of the cornerstone of Christianity. So you're going to have problems there. The final point, and this just blows me away. Uh, God, he said, what are we saying? God may care for the unsaved, but he doesn't love them because God can't love things that are wicked and awful. Okay, wait a second. Okay, here's the analogy I'm going to shoot back to you. Let's say you got a grandma. Let's say, God forbid, grandma gets cancer. 
Do you say, well, I can't love grandma anymore because I really hate the cancer that she has? How does that even work? I don't want to seem like I'm approving of the cancer. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. You can love grandma and hate the cancer, and you hate the cancer because it's grandma and it's hurting grandma. So you don't hate grandma for having cancer. That doesn't make any sense at all. You know, God doesn't hate us or despise us because we do something that is wicked and awful. Uh, He wants to set us free from it. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. He wants to set us free from those things, and we have to come to him and repent and show him all these mistakes and say, please help me do this better and different so I can live a more fulfilled life. That's what's going on here. Uh, And I'm only going to do that out of love for him, and I'm only going to receive all this stuff because he loves me. You take love out of the picture and put earn uh, earning all your way to all of this, it breaks down completely. It absolutely does. And Leah, let me get you to pick us up there. I think these guys did a fantastic job covering uh, the, yeah. the bits point for point here. I'd love to get you to look at kind of a, a larger concept, which as I was uh, raised, uh, was called thinking yourself stupid. <laughs> I will explain that. That means you've taken okay. something that's, you know, is what it is. Right. And you've gone so deep in the analysis, you've ended up with something that is not that. Yeah. You have complicated right. this to the point where it is no longer what it started out as. Right. Um, uh, a lot of us on this show, Lee and I grew up at Ridge, Jed studied engineering, Glenn's dad worked in the space program, been around a lot of engineers, and they have a way of creating a, a beautiful, functional, deeply complicated thing that does none of the things it's supposed to do. Right. Yep. We right. made this amazing car that you can turns into a drone. If you could use the app on your phone, it doesn't have any wheels. So we lost that part. So I bring that up because Lee, this sounds a lot like somebody turned something into an academic exercise and never translated it back. And that doesn't only happen with this particular question. So how do we look at that larger trend of people doing that? Yeah, I think that exactly as you're saying, we have taken, we have taken, uh, the, the relationship that God wants to have with people, and we've turned that into, how do I put this into classes where I could get a degree in it? And so if you put it into classes where I could get a degree in it, then I'm going to need textbooks, and I'm going to need objective questions that you could answer on, text, uh, on tests, and then we're going to need points that we can debate, and then we're going to need to really dive in and create words that are so huge, like soteriology and eschatology, and things like that, so that we can sound like we are really, really smart about a lot of really impressive and deep stuff. Now, we can understand why people want to do stuff like that. People do stuff like that all the time. But what's happened is, is that you've turned, you've made something, a class in school, an academic pursuit that you could get a degree and you could become a, a, a doctor in, you know, you know, years and years of advanced degrees and, and tens of thousands of dollars spent and, and debates and papers and, and just research and all that kind of stuff over something that exactly as Jed said, started out as a guy telling a story about a dad whose kid ran away. And, and that's the whole thing is that, that this started out not as an academic pursuit, but Christianity started out, started out as a rescue mission. It started out as a love story. It started out as a groom wooing his bride, a dad going after his son. And so the, the, now the, the problem with this is, is, is why does this matter? 
Why does it matter? Why is it a big deal that we're refuting this? That we're saying this is this is not about just, you know, God's glory and he doesn't just see you as the faceless part of the the big C church or whatever. And that is because God made you. Um, this is a big deal because God made every human heart the way that he wanted it to be made. And he made the human heart with a, a desire to to be to be loved and to be known and to be wanted. And you have that deep down inside you. I know for a fact I do. I want it to matter that I'm me. And I want it to matter that I'm here. I want it, I, I want to be important enough and, and lovable and loved and wanted the whole thing. I want all that stuff. And that stuff is deep down in me. And by the way, it's deep down in you too. And that's not a sin. That's not a bad thing. God put that inside you. And he put that inside you because he wants to be the perfect answer of that. He wants to be the personal, intimate love that answers the question, who am I? Does it matter that I'm here? Does it matter that I'm me? It's a big deal that God loves you individually. The very last book in the Bible says that when you, when you finish this life, that Jesus has a white stone with a new name written on it that only you and he knows. Now that's about as personal and intimate as it gets. And if we, if we change this thing so it's less intimate than that, then we need to back off of it. And anybody that makes it less mushy, less personal, less intimate than that, you're, you're getting out of the realm of the love that Jesus has for me. And you can meet me and Jesus in the parking lot on that because he wants it to be personal. He wants it to be that specific. He wants it to be that unique. He's got a white stone with a new name on it for me and for you. And that's because he made your heart to want to be loved that way. And that's important. It definitely is. I think that's all really fantastic stuff. We're going to move on to our second question. Came in anonymously, and it says, my church, had a, my church had a service with a pastor speaking tongues. He then put his hands on others in the church so they could too. There was no interpretation of the tongues. Is this weird or against the purpose of tongues? It's definitely weird. We can start there. <laughs> and uh, Glenn, I'd love to go to you first. And I'm, I'm not particularly interested in us... Uh, getting into the ins and outs of whether speaking in tongues exists and how right. it exists and what it is uh, for a number of reasons. One, I don't think the show what the question's about and mm-hmm. B we've talked about that on earlier shows and people sure. go back and find that. And if you're interested in that, you can email say that podcast and I'll send you the, the links to the particular episode when we're not of that. But I, I'm, I'm very interested in like, this idea of we had a guest speaker who uh-huh. came in and was amazing. Right. And he can maybe <laughs> make us amazing too. Right. What does that have to do with anything? Yes. I think that's the right question that our friend's asking, yeah. regardless of the tongues thing. So how do we look at this whole kind of amazingness guest speaker idea? Well, uh, you're absolutely right in, in terms of, uh, you know, that this is, uh, the theology of it is, is off based on, you know, only if you're going by scripture. Uh, otherwise, it's fine. Hey, what scripture? That seems yeah. dangerous. <laughs> exactly right. It's parts so, of that book I like and parts I don't. Yeah. Um, but. Let's. If I were to try to uh, ignore that and let's just focus on this is a thing that has happened. What is the purpose of that? Um, what I would, uh, what I would do, and what I would strongly recommend for you to do is, anytime you see anything in church that doesn't quite strike you as correct, 
uh, anything that just doesn't, just seems a little something, uh, ask the Lord to give you a leading on that. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It's a simple thing to get feedback from the Lord. Just give me a piece about this if it's if it's cool. If it's not, just give me that little sense of thumbs down in my spirit, and I, I'll, I'll know. Uh, if you do that, uh, you're going to deal with a certain amount of disappointment uh, with mm. uh, people who call themselves Christian. And <laughs> But you're going to find that on some things like this, of the speaking in tongues, but you're going to find that on laser beams shooting off in the church and fog machines and uh, trapezes and all these different things where you can say, well, this doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me, but is this coming from a pure spirit of somebody just trying to minister to me? Or is this something that's just unnecessary, unpleasant, and whatever? Uh, you're going, to, you're going to, f- to get a lot of information on that. You're going to be disappointed a lot. There's not a kingdom purpose uh, to this. Uh, this is about, uh, I think they would say, getting people excited, uh, getting people wound up and pumped up in, in church. So it's worth asking... Uh, is that important? And is there a role for excitement in the church? And certainly in our services, we have people that get, you know, they sing very loud. They, uh, they're very lively throughout the service. They often, you know, talk back to us when we're preaching and those kinds of things. We have a lot of fun in there really. Uh, so I, I might say fun and enjoyment and all of that is, is, is important. Uh, and certainly they leave out sort of pumped up and excited. And I think that's good. But we're trying to get them excited about what God wants to do in their life. Yeah. We're trying to get them excited about uh, this thing has held you back, and now we're breaking that chain so you can be free from that. Uh, We want that excitement to come from that. If you don't know how to set somebody free, don't hook up a trapeze. That's not going to do... (laughs) It's not going to do a similar thing. It's not going to compensate for that if i can't pay my bills this month i don't want to watch you fly across this sanctuary on some sort of harness i need to know is god going to come through for me i need somebody to speak to my hurting condition right um if you can't do that then you really need to uh recognize none of these other things going to fit in so it's it's a it's about focusing on that i want to Look at First uh, Corinthians, uh, because I this is uh, chapter thirteen, and you will have heard this before, I'm sure. Here's the thing: is there's a attitude of I want to take it to the limit. I want to be the most holy and most spiritual. Maybe that's laser beams. Maybe that's speaking in tongues. Maybe it's floating around on a trapeze. Maybe it's a fog <laughs> machine. I want to do. I want the most excellent way to do all this. So it turns out, Paul said to all of us in the Book of Corinthians, "Now let me tell you the most excellent way." And right. he just he's talking about exactly what we're talking about here. Let me show you the most excellent way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but he don't have love, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy, oh my gosh, prophecy. 
and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. He's saying love is the most excellent way. It is the most Christian you can get. I love this part. I'm skipping down, but this is, this whole chapter is worth reading. Uh, verse 8. Love never fails. I just I could I could meditate on that forever. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies they'll cease, where there are tongues they will be stilled. Uh, where there's knowledge they'll pass away because we know only in part, we prophesy only in part because we're not been made complete. He says, you know, when we when we pass on, we go to the to heaven will be complete and we'll know. And he says, uh, for now we see only a reflection in a mirror, uh, but then we'll see face to face, and I will I will know even as I'm fully known. But the last thing on this chapter, he says, these three things remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of those is love. Mm. So uh, the the love part needs to be the thing that comes through. If you don't express that to me, but instead there's a lot of excitement and you're trying to substitute that excitement for loving me and helping me, then we're not getting anywhere. I had a really, really strong point and a great place to kick this off. And Lee, I'd love to, to pick us up there and talking about, uh, Glenn started that with what this person, what yeah. this kind of behavior is trying to communicate. And he broke down what we should be trying to communicate, but there's, I think there's a lot of meat on that bone of, because it's not uh, just tongues, it could be, kind of in references during a sermon, it could be a mention of the thing we're doing. There's a lot of uh, people trying to communicate in groups and out groups in church. And I think that leads to a lot of problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Glenn's exactly right. There are so many reasons scripturally that this is totally out of bounds, totally out of bounds with what the Bible says about tongues, totally out of bounds with what the worship service should be like. But when we dig deep and we try to figure out why is this a problem? Well, to be frank, it's a problem because it made you feel like crap. And, and that's not what we need to be doing. If if somebody goes to a church service, the folks that are running that service need to be about serving you, making you feel included, welcomed, cared for, and loved. If I'm up front and I'm making you feel like I'm smarter than you or I'm better than you and and you are somehow less than me, then what I've done is I have somehow magically taken you back to middle school and you're the new kid and you're excluded from the cool kids table. Say that. That's That's about the worst feeling that you can give anybody on the planet. That's why any of us would rather die than go back to middle school. If... The the cool kids table is the worst thing that human beings have devised. But somehow, in some of this Christian stuff, we manage to do that to people. When the thing that, you know, so you've got a guy that's exalting himself and everybody else is is down lower than, than this guy. Whereas when you look at Jesus on his last night with his guys, what did he do? Took off his clothes, put a towel around his waist. He got down on the floor. He lowered himself and raised everybody else up. He served. And then he said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
And so anybody that wants to be a leader in a spiritual sense needs to do like Jesus did. I want to lower myself. I might know some stuff, but I don't want to come out on front like that. I want to talk in such a way that you feel like I'm right with you. I'm serving you. I'm drawing you in. I'm welcoming you in. I'm not putting myself above you. You're not excluded from the cool kids table. Wherever you are is the cool kids table. We're so happy you're here. We love you. Thank you for coming. Let us see if we can tell you something that's going to make you feel set free. That's the whole goal, to serve, to love. The reason this thing was off was because it made you feel excluded. And what Jesus wants is for you to feel welcomed. We want an invitation. We don't want exclusion. That's a great point and very good stuff. Jed loves you to close out here because there's... uh... We were, uh, the three of us over here in Chicago were recently discussing some Christian nonsense of some uh, description, and we landed on what uh, I think I diagnosed as the critical uh, question when it comes to listening to preaching or reading Christian books of our time, which is, so what? Yep. How do we apply the <laughs> so what test to uh, Pastor uh, Tongues here? So here's the way that all of us on the show think about going to church To be clear, I think we're in the minority, but I don't think we should be in the minority with what I'm about to describe, which is there's like a purpose for you to go to church. There's a reason you're here. It's it's not just a thing you do because you have to. Um, And a big part of that reason is that you've got struggles and issues in your life, as we all do. I mean, everybody has struggles and issues. And you're coming to this church with the expectation they're going to say something that would help with those struggles and issues and concerns. That's why you're here, is to get some help in your life. Now, that could take the form of encouragement. You know, I mean, yeah, I need wisdom, but I also just need some encouragement to keep running my race. But I've I've got struggles. I've got difficulties I'm facing, which, again, is true for literally everybody. It's true for me. It's true for all of us. But I got struggles. I got concerns. I got issues. And I need help. That is why I am here in God's house today, is to get some help with these right. struggles in my life. So the question that I would want to ask you about, about this, but it's going to apply to a lot of things is what does any of this have to do with the struggles and difficulties in your life? Mm. It's, it's easy to get into a debate of, is it bad? Is it not bad? And what, and that's a debate that's actually worth having. It, it is, it, is it scriptural? Is it not scriptural? That that's worth having, but it's a little bit separate question from, does this have anything at all to do with your life and your struggles and your issues? Similarly, does it have anything to do with the lives of the people that you care about? That could be your spouse. That could be your kids. That could be just your friends. That could be the people that God's calling you to minister to. You're trying to figure out how do I help these people that I love? And I'm coming to this church hoping someone might say something that would give me a clue how to help them. Is any of this, whether it's the tongues or the laser beams, does any of this have anything to do with the struggles and the difficulties in your life, the work God's given you to do, the stuff you're trying to sort out? Because this is the thing is, if you're going to a church where they're hitting a home run on meeting your needs, on helping you with your struggles and your concerns, whatnot, and also from time to time they have something that's a little out there, they got, you know, speaking in tongues or laser beams, whatever, all right, well, we can all be understanding about that. That's that's fine. But yeah. if they've got the tongues and laser beams and they're not meeting your needs, well, that's a different consideration. I'm not at your church, so I don't know. I've been to a lot of churches, and I have a suspicion. And the suspicion is there's a lot of tongues and laser beams and very little of meeting your actual needs. And the thing is, 
You have needs that need to be met. And here's the funny thing that we don't often talk about. You actually have a responsibility to find a place where those needs can be met. Um, the church has a responsibility to meet them, but you have a responsibility to get yourself to a place where they can be met. Um, you, you actually have a role in this. If you're at a church that's just not cutting the mustard, that's just not feeding you, that's not building into you, that's not helping you with your struggles and your difficulties, you kind of have a duty to go somewhere else. Um, it, at that point, it's not a consumer mentality. It's just, I have a need. It is not being met. I have to get it met. I have a responsibility to, to find someplace that would meet it. I'm going to now engage in that journey. And again, it is worth having a conversation about, you know, which of these things are scriptural and which are not, which are fairly benign versus malign. Those are, those are good conversations, but there's also critically that conversation of, do I know what my needs are? Is my current church meeting them? If they're not, do I know where to go that would be meeting them? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's all excellent stuff. And again, that's why we're looking at this, not getting bogged down in, in the tongues thing. This is not unique to one type of church tradition or denomination or theology. This kind of, don't you want to come because the guy on stage is impressive? That's unfortunately permutates in every kind of yeah. corner of the Christian world. And as all these guys are saying, um, that in and of itself is not entirely a deal breaker. If the guy, if your pastor who has visited you in the hospital and knows your name, occasionally says, I thought I'd try whatever. I, I, like, I like woodworking, and I made a video about how spiritual formation is like a dovetail joint and really come together. But, you know, I'm trying stuff. Everybody, everybody tries stuff. We're not condemning that. But when it's very clear, like, this is not about becoming like Jesus. This is about becoming like pastor. That's a real problem. And we're going to move on to our final question here. Came in anonymously. And it says, a little bit longer, I edited it down. I think you'll get the gist. Spurgeon says, here's a snapshot of the last 10 years. Met my wife, got married, discovered I had hidden mental health issues, started therapy, started walking through hell, got a little better, had kids, got even better, started couples therapy, more improvement. But now I wonder if getting married was a mistake. We fixed the leaks, but now struggle to fill the love tanks. Good intentions and initiatives always fade out. I'm well aware of the effects this has on kids, and it's a balance between sparing them that, but not teaching them to live in a loveless marriage. We're intent on having a good marriage and do see some results, but how long can you live on the hope of eventually that may or may not come? And we super appreciate you writing in. And Lee, let's. Uh, where would you start with all that? Yeah, I, I would say that we are super thankful that you wrote in. We are. Uh, I, I'm sorry for all the the difficulties that you're facing, but but there is so much here to applaud. And there's so much that's going really, really well. And I know it doesn't feel like that when you're in the depths of it. But what what I see when I take a bird's eye view of what you've described is I see somebody that's taken a lot of hits and facing that with seeking professional help, of going, uh, you know, going into therapy, making the right strides, and 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 doing the very things that that anybody would counsel you to do. It, you know, in, in in your situation. I mean, this has been tough, but you're making it. You don't know some days if it's going to work and you don't know some days if it's worth it, but you're making it. Uh, one thing that I would say as a huge key is um, 
to to be wary of this question of how long can we go on like this? I think that kind of a question is always going to take you in a sideways direction because that kind of question gets away from the thing that you need to actually get through this, which is to face whatever you've got today, um, to live this one day at a time, to look at the struggle or the, or the problem or the communication breakdown, or the difficulty that, that's coming at you today, and to face that with the wisdom and with the help that you need to get. But if you, if you ask the question of how long can we go on like this, then you kind of, you kind of uh, zoom yourself into a perpetual future of it's always going to be terrible, and we don't know what it's going to be like a year from now. We don't know what it's going to be like a month from now or, a, or even a week from now. So I would be very, very wary of that kind of thinking. And I would really narrow the focus to what do I have to do today? And, and I hope this helps, but every single marriage is going to face a lot of the things that you're talking about. Of course, some of the stuff that you're talking about is really, really specific to your case, but communication struggles, struggling to fill the love tanks, good intentions fading, all of that stuff is going to be things that every couple has to figure out. And so some of this, it, I think some of the frustration you're experiencing, you're looking at this gigantic mountain of difficulties you guys have had to face, and you're thinking, this has got to be unique. It's got to be unique that, that we have, you know, we have good intentions to try something, and then we fade on that. That's not unique. I hate to say it, but that, that, that's not unique at all. Everybody has that kind of a situation. And what we've got to look at is retooling, thinking up a new strategy, and trying to attack the next problem as it comes, one day at a time. Uh, your your strides are going to feel subtle, but they are happening. You are growing. You are moving through this. And so we want to just keep looking at this one day at a time. We want to keep looking at this with wisdom. We want to keep looking at this with the professional help and all of it. And man, I, I, think, I think you're actually on a better track than you think you are. That's absolutely right. And Glenn, I'd love to, love to look at the idea that we talk about a lot with uh, folks at the bridge, which is the idea of crisis mode. Yeah, because a lot of what's being described here sounds like um, we got used to surviving through crisis mode, and now we don't really know how to shift out of that into building towards something good. Right, it's actually incredibly common. Yeah, but it's yeah. something that I don't think it's talked about a lot. Well, for sure, I think there we have to recognize in a lot of different relationships, even in institutions, churches, whatnot, the things that get us from A to B don't always get us from B to C. So the idea is that there needs to be a, a profound shifting of gears uh, in order to sort of get to the next phase of things. Um, in other words, you've been working a long time on dysfunctional or sort of deeply dysfunctional to dysfunctional to semi-functional to not dysfunctional. Uh, that's not... Uh, close to being deeply in love and having a passionate marriage, that's on a whole nother scale. In other words, uh, we've done great at making it not bad. And we've developed a lot of skills that will allow us, allow us to handle all kinds of problems in the future, whatever problems come our way. They're going to be a version of what you've already dealt with. You, you know, you guys are experts at this point in dealing with that. So that, that ought to give you a lot of strength and a lot of confidence. That is to say, you're not likely to go back down that hole as long as you're doing what you're doing now. Uh, 
but you're out of the hole. It's time to, to climb the mountain. You know, it's time to, to move up and to ascend. Uh, it's a it's a new place. It's a new challenge, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a great place to to be. Uh, it's important as you do that to celebrate getting out of the dang pit, uh, and it's important not to beat yourself up for how low on the mountain you are. Uh, I, I'm zeroing in here on you know the kids and you know them them seeing uh, as you put it a loveless marriage. They might be seeing uh, a. a a, two people who are who love each other and are great companions but aren't great as a married couple or something like that but here's what your kids are picking up on are these two people who are working hard on their marriage right. and working on getting better if they yeah. see that they think they have the best parents up and down this block because come on kids see parents make mistakes they see that all the time but when a kid sees a parent improve, and I mean at any age of their life, that makes a difference. You notice that. I noticed that, uh, you know, as an adult, when I saw my dad uh, later in his life, he was trying to make some changes. It it was, like, really profound to me. It's like, whoa, that's, you know, that takes a lot of guts and, you know, give, give credit where it's due and all of that. So I think, I think your kids uh, almost certainly look up to the level of work that you've put in thus far. Um, so I think it's really about uh, doing what I call it, uh, having a 2.0 mentality of, you know, marriage 1.0 is now uh, complete. It's a, you know, we, we've got out of the pit as we're saying here. Uh, and now it's time to conceive of this all over again. It's, it's almost like we're starting a fresh, uh, everything's new. Everything is, is different. Forget about the, the past. Forget about everything that's happened till now. Forget about the time that, that that took and all of that. That's just the devil coming in and trying to give you some nonsense reason not to be happy about all this. You've done the work. Be happy. You're with someone uh, that you know you can trust uh, on a way on a level most people don't know they can trust. That means you can be vulnerable in a way that most young lovers are scared to death to be vulnerable. Uh, it's about starting over from scratch. That means, you know, uh, discovering some dang romance here, getting into that, mm -hmm. you know, figuring out ways to be romantic with one another. Uh, I'm also talking about uh, bedroom stuff. I assume you've covered that with your therapist and stuff, but that needs to be uh, active and frequent and happy and healthy and all that. Uh, if we need work in that department, let's work on it in that department. Uh, you might need some time away from the kids and stuff to kind of re-spark some of that as well. That's great. Uh, but the truth is, uh, sometimes you get in that, that crisis mode, you're two rats clinging to each other in a storm. There's not a lot of romance to that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you, I and that's not a failure. That's no not one can a have a romantic, wonderful relationship defite, despite yeah. all that's happening in their yeah, lives. Yeah, you say, you, you know, the building's on fire. You don't say, you know... After after we put out this fire, life's a bit romantic when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't do that. You say, hey, let's first let's put out the fire, then we'll talk about the romance. You know all that. So you know, don't, let's not beat up on ourselves for that. Let's let's take a look at what are the new amazing possibilities that you've opened up for yourselves because you've put in this work. Oh yeah, it's absolutely right. And Jed, Jed to build on that and close us out. Um, there there's an idea, another idea we kind of work with folks at the bridge, particularly who are coming out or in a really bad situation in this, because part of the I think part of the mindset of this is anchoring your situation to how bad it got. Yep. As Glenn is saying, you look at how far how hard it took to get from A to B, 
and you say, well, if we put in the same effort and it only takes us twice that amount, we should probably all just, to quote from the daddies, accept the sweet release of death. Right. <laughs> um, but how do we get in, kind of get out of that uh, kind of cemented down mindset to launch marriage 2.0 in an idea of what do we want this to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to propose to you a thought experiment. And here's the thought experiment. Put on your thought goggles. Put on your thought goggles. Get ready. God is going to descend on a cloud, and he tells you, whatever you want to do is fine. If you guys want to split up, it's fine. If you guys want to stay together, it's fine. If you guys want to have a trial separation, it's fine. Whatever you want. Now, again, I'm not saying God is in any way saying that. But let's suppose for the purposes must of... must be said, the views of the Say That host do not necessarily reflect those of the Almighty. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's the beauty of a thought experiment. It doesn't have to correspond with reality. But suppose that happened. God appeared to you and said, it's fine. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. It's no problem. What would you want to do? Because you've written a lot in this question, um, and, and you've been super open and vulnerable. We really appreciate it. Uh, but you've, you've written about things you're concerned about. You've written about things you're afraid about. You've written about challenges that you've dealt with. You've written almost nothing about what you want. Mm. And that's, that's tough. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to navigate with no sense at all of what you want. So, for example, you said, I'm wondering if getting married was a mistake. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I wasn't there. But wondering if, marriage, if this marriage was a mistake is not the same as wanting to get divorced. Those are actually two separate things. Definitely. Um, I think you owe it to yourself to be honest about whether you want to be in this marriage. Whether it was a mistake to begin with or not is neither here nor there. What do you want? And I think as a part of this thought experiment, you owe it to yourself to really dig into why. Maybe your first response is, oh, no, I want to get divorced. I super want to get divorced. Okay, no judgment. Why? What would that divorce, in your mind, in, in, in the spirit of this thought experiment, what would that divorce do? What would that solve? What would that make easier? What's, you, you, rather than the reality of divorce, which takes a long time and a lot of money and is very difficult, we just, boom, pow, genied it, now you're divorced, you know, you got your own condo and whatnot. What is different about your life now? What is better about your life now? And be detailed. Dig into this. Be be clear about this. And for purposes of this, don't judge any of this. Don't don't worry about right versus wrong. We'll get back to that. But don't don't start there. Just here's what I want. And then when you've done that, maybe be clear about here's what I actively don't want. These are the things that I for sure do not want to occur. Here's why I think all that's important. You're trying to make some really big, hairy, complicated decisions that would be hard for anybody to make. You're also trying to figure out what on earth does God want me to do in the midst Mm. of all of this, which is really admirable. That's really honorable, and we're really proud of you. Those are hard things to discern. Those are difficult things to sort out, and they're almost impossible to sort out if we're not being honest about what we as a person want. We've talked about this before on the show that one of the things we hear often from Christians, which is cool, is, hey, it's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. I just want to submit my will to his. Right on. That's cool. It's also almost impossible to submit a will you won't admit you have to God. (laughs) 
Um, in other words, it's possible to go to God and say, I super duper want to get divorced. I want a divorce now. I want a divorce immediately. But Lord, if you're calling me to try and figure this thing out, I will try and figure this thing out. All right, that's, that's, we can work with that. That that's actually a workable thing, but if it's oh I don't I don't know I mean maybe I want to get divorced I mean maybe I'm vibrating with the desire to get divorced but who knows I mean it's hard to say whatever you want that's actually a ticking time bomb is what that really really is so the best thing for you the best thing for your wife the best thing for your family the best thing for your children is to start with some clarity on just what do you want why do you want those things? Then we can add in what does God have to say about all of those things? What you may find as you work through this and you look at a lot of the, you know, here, I, I want this and I want it for the following 10 reasons is God may agree with way more of the stuff that you want than you'd expect. He might have a very different idea of how to achieve those ends, but I bet he agrees with a lot of the stuff you'd like to see happen as net results. In other words, I'll give you a real quick example. One of the things that people pursue in new relationships is a sense of excitement. It's, it's so zesty. And I just, you know, passion. Okay, here's the thing. I think actually God does want you to have passion. I, I, I definitely for sure think that. He may disagree about the avenue that's going to get there because dating actually sucks. I mean, if you're not currently dating, you can have an idea of how super exciting it is. If you're currently dating, you're aware it's not exciting. It's mostly just awful. All right. But God, passion is important. God does want you to have passion. How are we going to get that, though? What's the avenue and the path and the channel through which we're going to get to that? If we can start looking at things from that angle, we can realize, man, there's a ton of overlap between what you want to see happen, what God wants for you. Now you and God can be working together as a team. At that point, like if your spouse is also working on this and you realize that you and your spouse and God all want the same things and we can work together as a team to achieve them, there's no stopping you. Oh my gosh, the the sky is the limit. All that begins with learning how to be honest with yourself about the things that you want. God is not afraid of that conversation. You shouldn't be afraid of that conversation either. That's absolutely a great point. One, One small thing I'll tack on the end here, and it just goes to reinforce what these guys have said. Um, again, this, this is, has a, maybe even more than a lot of stuff on the top on the podcast, a lot of overlap with the stuff we talk about the men and women we work with at the bridge. And one of those is the, the, uh, the idea that all of this makes sense. You say, you know, met 10 years ago, got married. I discovered I had hidden, uh, mental health issues I didn't know about in the midst of that. We have children. It turns out from dealing with mental health issues and raising children and trying to not get divorced, we're tired. That makes a lot of sense. It doesn't yeah. indicate that this particular combination of you and this this other person are cursed and incapable of making this positive. It means that you had a lot of obstacles in your way and you're still standing. We talk about this with the men on the bridge all the time. Say, well, I was born in the neighborhood you were born in and had the upbringing you did and I was almost certainly going to get arrested by the time I was 16, as was your reality. I probably would have done some frosty, delicious crack as well. Right. Because that's <laughs> the world in front of you. That doesn't mean you are, you are destined to do this forever, and I'm not because I'm, I'm you know, a higher caliber of person than you. That means you did what we all do and reacted to the environment that was around you. So as these guys are all saying, when we, if you decide you want to, do this, make it a a good thing. You can put in the work to making those changes that will pay off exponentially. Again, this is not a, 
when you're in crisis mode, you you would be thankful for a one in one out effort to payoff ratio. It's sometimes it feels a lot more like ten in one out because you get to a solid footing and get out of just having to put out fires. That gets a lot better if you apply some smart strategy that your therapist is giving you. There is no cap to how good your marriage can be based yeah. on how bad it has been before. Those are not those are not correlated. So again, this is about what you and your spouse wants and about what God wants for you. And we are here to have your back. If you have a question for us, say at podcast gmail.com. If you want to ask a question anonymously, the bridgechicago.tumblr.com. Both those links are in the episode description here. Jed started us off with talking about the story of the lost sheep. So we're going to take out with a song he wrote about that. This is called the one recorded live at the bridge, yeah. which is also available on our bridge worship album available on Spotify, Apple music, or wherever you download or stream music. Hang out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. And finally, the say that award for best outro for 2018. Uh, I forgot the right one. <laughs>
Yes, you are!